Good evening. It's one of those uh, times now with uh, streaming things online, we start bang right on time because people, people are home watching tonight as well. well I want to welcome you uh, Christmas Eve. I'm sure you've already heard it a hundred times already, but Merry Christmas. It's great to see you tonight. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, tonight, tonight's story takes place in Bethlehem. And uh, it's, an exciting, it's an exciting thing. It's an exciting night filled with joy and cheer. But I want to I take a minute and begin tonight by recognizing that not everyone is full of cheer. And that's not a bad thing. I, it, it feels like to me this year, more than any other, there's a sense of, of loss. And that loss can be a loved one. Uh, that loss can be a relationship or a job or income. Um, that loss can just be, hey, last year I just had more than I have now. And that difference is a loss. And uh, you may be experiencing tonight a loss of some sort. And Christmas doesn't just have the joy and cheer that you've experienced in previous years. But I'm here to tell you it's okay. It's okay, and tonight as we focus at center stage, Bethlehem, as we know, is the place where the Messiah came from. But the first time it was mentioned in Scripture, it was cased in sorrow. You see, in Genesis chapter 35, Abraham was traveling, uh, and he had 11 sons. And his wife was pregnant and giving birth to his 12th son. And they stopped in Bethlehem for this birth, and she died in childbirth. And so Bethlehem, it says this in verse 19 and 20, So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar, and to this day that pillar marks Rachel's tomb. And tonight, I just want you to say, like, it's okay if the cheer isn't flowing. But God has a way of redeeming things when he's involved. And tonight's a night that we're going to invite the presence of God into this place. Just as he uh, broke through over 2,000 years ago and came to Bethlehem and forever changed the history of Bethlehem, it was no longer a place of sorrow or a place born of kings, but it was a place where the Messiah came. And tonight, God could do the same for you. And this first song that we're going to sing is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And if you look at the lyrics tonight, it's actually a prayer. It's a prayer that the dark shadows, that God would come and remove those, those shadows away. So as, as Pastor Sean and the team uh, leads us in this, I want you to sing this out tonight with them as a prayer if you're feeling sad or gloomy or void of cheer tonight. Amen? Amen. And on a completely uh, housekeeping note, if you didn't have your communion cup and your candle, you need to get them at the back because you'll need them at some point tonight. Go ahead, John. i 
reading tonight is from Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Fulfillments in Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Jerusalem Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. 
Thank you. 
We read in the Old Testament in Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And we fast forward to Matthew in the New Testament, chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Bethlehem. Bethlehem is center stage of Jesus' birth. Uh, a location chosen by God, as we heard uh, from Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Bethlehem has a rich heritage. I mean, it's been a part of Israel's story from the very beginning. As you heard earlier, um, it's the place that Rachel, Jacob's wife, died during childbirth. My technology just died on me. It's back. Thank you, Lord. It's not back. <laughs> oh, yes. Does this happen to you guys, too? Well, it's, um, it's, it's, it's black. Oh, there we go. All right, here we go. I promise you the battery's charged. So, Bethlehem has a rich heritage. Uh, it's been part of Israel's history from the beginning. Um, Rachel's buried there. Uh, Ibzan, which was uh, during Israel's period of time where God raised up judges. Ibzan was a judge that was from Israel. Uh, you can see that in Judges chapter 12. If you know the story of Ruth, the book in the, in the Bible, Ruth, that whole story took place in Bethlehem. Um, Ruth marries Boaz, who's from Bethlehem. And Boaz becomes uh, the great-grandfather of Israel's greatest king, David, who also was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was six miles from Jerusalem and used by King Rehoboam as a defense city, which meant... Uh, if an army was coming to take out the capital, they had to go through Bethlehem first. So he built up the defenses there in Bethlehem. And then traditionally, uh, the lambs that were sacrificed in the temple in Jerusalem, six miles away, were raised in Bethlehem. So Bethlehem has always had a piece and a, a part in Israel's history. So this is where God ch chooses to set the stage for a very important night. And now that we know something about the location, let's turn our attention to the characters of the story tonight, those that were invited to be there. Well, the first set of characters is Joseph and Mary, right? We read about them in Luke chapter 2. And I don't know if you picked up on it or if you've read it closely, remember, but uh, Joseph and Mary were engaged. They were not yet married. And they were traveling to Nazareth, uh, to Bethlehem, um, to, to register. But Mary is pregnant, and not by Joseph. Scandalous. Joseph and Mary uh, knew that this pregnancy was because of the Holy Spirit. Because one thing about them that Scripture tells us is that they were faithful to the law, which meant they were good, uh, law-abiding, god pleasing young people. They did the right thing. Yet, um, I'll bet they were misunderstood because even though they knew they were doing the right thing and hadn't broken any rules or laws, I'm pretty sure the people around them didn't believe their story. So, uh, they traveled to Bethlehem because there's a census and everybody, uh, everybody has to go to their ancestral town to register, meaning their, their hometown, so to speak. And that happens to be Bethlehem for Joseph because uh, what, his ancestor is King David. It doesn't mean he's a king, it just means he's in 
David's bloodline. When they arrive at Bethlehem, though, we all know the story. There's no room for them, which makes me ask a lot of questions. I mean, this is Joseph's distant family. I mean, in this room, we all know people who are, you know, family Cape Codders, right? And no matter if they move away, they go across the world, they come back, inevitably there's family around that they know, like, that's my distant cousin, that's my, you know... You just know that's family because you were raised there. Yet Joseph goes back to Bethlehem and there's no room for him or his pregnant wife to be. And in a culture where that was not to be heard of, they took strangers in instead of making them sleep in the town square. There's no room for family? It just makes me ask questions. Are they being shunned because Mary's pregnant before they're married? Uh, are the family dynamics in play that we don't know about? I mean, is, anyone, is everyone just too busy to notice or to care? That's Joseph and Mary. The other characters in the story that are invited to be there are the shepherds. Now, the shepherds are uneducated people, raised to take care of sheep, not taught the law, not sent to school. They're just uneducated. And because of that, they're stereotyped as thieves and untrustworthy. They're considered unclean by uh, the rabbinical law, and they're not able to participate in the worship in the temples or the synagogue or other religious festivities because of their status as unclean. And so because they're uneducated, because they're stereotyped, because they're unclean, they're marginalized by society. Necessary for things to happen, but nobody really wants to hang around them. And then the third set of characters we have invited to this story are the wise men, or the magi, depending on your translation. Find them in Matthew chapter 2. And these represent foreigners. They came from the east. And scholars uh, differ and argue about where we think they came from, but the reality is they didn't come from Israel, which means they were foreigners, which means they were a different race of people. They also represent the wealthy, the educated, the intellectual. Because if you read their story, they studied. They were well-versed in what was going to happen in the Star of the Messiah, and they traveled and they gave Joseph and Mary expensive gifts. So they represent a completely different group of people. Now the stage has been set and the characters have been invited, but invited to what? What's going on at this great event that God has orchestrated? Well, in John chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, the true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So that's the event. This light that gives light to everyone was about to enter the world, and the characters had been invited. And then John goes on in verse 10 to continue. He says, uh, the, promise, the promise that all who receive him would be children of God. I'm sorry. It says this, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So why did the angel describe to the shepherds this good news that will cause great joy in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Why was it such good news that this light was coming into the world? When we look at the list of characters invited to this story and to participate in this, invited by God, every one of them had a personal invitation from God. And we look at who they represent, we realize something. That Jesus is a light for everyone. And that there's not a single person on the face of this earth that can say, Jesus didn't come for me. You see, Jesus invited 
the poor shepherd, the marginalized. But then he invited the rich intellectual. He didn't just come for the Jew, because he invited the foreigner as well. He didn't just come for the, for the old, traditional, deep, rich heritage kind of people of town, but he came for the young people too, as Mary and Joseph were super young. Not even married yet. He didn't come for the he didn't come just for the weak. He came for the strong. He came for the broken, he came for the sick, but he came for the healthy. Came for the wealthy, he came for the white, he came for the black, he came for the marginalized, he came for the elite, he came for everybody. Because in all the characters that were invited to play a part in this, they represent every demographic of people you can find. Jesus is for everyone. And I love the fact that even though the shepherds were notified first, and they were the first to show up, and that was a great honor, that Jesus isn't just a poor person's God, or a broken person's God, or a marginalized person's God. Because the wise men found themselves at the feet of Jesus too. With their great wealth and their great intellect and their influence. Jesus is for everyone. But here's the difference. Jesus is for everyone. But in John chapter 1, he said this. The promise is for those who receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, born not of natural causes or natural will, but born of God. And here's the difference. Jesus came for everyone, but the promise is for those who receive him. And that's the difference. It's God's desire that everybody would receive him. That's why everybody's invited to the table. That's why everybody's invited to the manger. That's why everybody's invited to the event. And God offers to every single one of us to receive Jesus Christ. And that's the good news that causes great joy because there's not a single person out there who Jesus says, no, 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 I'm not for you. I didn't come for you. You've done too much. You haven't done enough. You're not wealthy enough. You're not influential enough. Or you're too broken. You're not broken enough. Whatever stereotype you have in your mind of why Jesus didn't come for you, you're wrong. That's the good news that causes great joy. And that the promise is for everybody who receives him. So this evening, I, I hope that this good news that Jesus came for you. He came for me. He came for everyone on the face of this earth and gave them the same opportunity. There's no one he says no to. I hope this brings you great joy tonight. My, my hope and my joy would be that you're listed in those who receive Jesus, who put your faith and your trust in his name. We're going to take uh, communion and communion is simply this. It's a remembrance of the work that Jesus Christ came to do. That he, he's God. He came from heaven, invites all of us to, to come and be, be a part, and he gives us all a promise and says, hey, if you'll receive that promise by, by faith, we don't even have to do anything. We don't have to work it up. We don't have to buy it. We don't have to pay for it. We don't have to do, you know, to balance the scales. If I do this many good deeds, then, then, you know, then I'll get in. I'm in. He just says, no, no, no. You receive me by faith. Which means you just believe and trust me that what I'm saying is true. I think that's crazy. I'm not going to take any of your guys' word for anything. Well, maybe if you say, hey, Pastor, you know, tonight I, you know, I'll give you a brownie or something, I might take your word for it. But, 
But when it comes to a life and death situation, I, I, I need something more than just, I need you to do something. I need you to prove yourself, right? Like, she says, no, by faith. Believe and trust that what I'm saying is true. And so this reminds us of that. Reminds us that once Jesus uh, reached 33 years old, he'd done ministry here, he laid down his life as a sacrifice for us. His body was broken, his blood was spilled, and all of this purchased for us this promise that he extends to us. It's a guarantee, kind of like signing a contract in blood. And so I know these are a little bit uh, frustrating, but welcome to COVID. There's this like, little cellophane thing on the top. If you peel that back, there's, there's the bread. And I want to make sure that you know tonight that there's no pressure here. If you haven't received Jesus, if you're like still questioning, you're like, nah, I don't know about all this stuff, you don't have to take communion. Because taking communion says this. I proclaim the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection. And every time I take communion, I preach that publicly. So if that's not something you believe, it's okay. You don't have to take communion. We're not just put it aside. It's okay. But if you do, I just want you this, this evening to, to take the wafer, which represents the bread, his body, broken for us, and, and just with a heart of gratitude, say, Lord, thank you for your body that was broken for me. I'm going to eat this in remembrance of you. Let's eat together. And then the juice represents his blood that was spilled for us, which is the guarantee of the covenant, which is a promise to us. The fact that he died and rose from the dead and then ascended into heaven and was witnessed by over 500 people, that's the promise, that's the guarantee that he can make good on the promise to you and me. So, same avenue, we're going to take this uh, juice and gratitude and say, Lord, we thank you for your blood that was spilled for us. We drink in remembrance of you. Amen. Just going to pray, and then, and then we'll, um, we'll light some candles and do some singing. Lord, we thank you that you came from heaven to this earth, and you came as a light, and you offered that light to every single one of us in this place. There's, there's no place that we can go to escape from you. No matter how deep our depression goes, Lord, you're there. No matter how much our brokenness uh, is in front of us, you're there. Even our skepticism and our questioning, Lord, you're still there. And Lord, you reach out and you offer us this light. And Lord, we're so grateful that there's not a single person on this planet who can say that you didn't come for them. And so Lord, tonight we celebrate you. We thank you for your sacrifice for us. We thank you for this gift. And we come today to worship and to celebrate you. In your name, amen. We doing the lights now? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm on the ball. <laughs> I was a little surprised that Pastor Steve actually invited me to play with fire publicly. <laughs> I do just want to share a quick word because in John chapter 1, we have the record speaking of Jesus that in him was life. And that life was the light of men. And when we receive him, as, as Pastor Steve just, just shared with us, that life and that light enters us. The very life of Jesus, the very life of God, 
eternal life, everlasting life comes into our hearts and the very light of God's presence comes into our hearts. And I just want you to be encouraged in that because I I can't speak for the rest of you, but there have been times, especially in the last year and a half or two years, where I have felt immensely insignificant. There's been events that we've just been kind of like on a ship rolling along, sort of out of control, driven by the events. And there's been a lot of, I can't speak for all of you, but I can speak for myself. And I can say that there's been a lot of times where I've just sort of felt dragged along with everything, feeling like I personally couldn't really make any difference. But I want to remind us as Christians and as believers that the very light and life of Jesus, the Creator, the Savior, and the Redeemer, now lives in us. And thankfully, as witnessed here tonight, we don't live this alone. There's been a lot of isolation, there's been a lot of separation, but I want to remind you all that we are the church of Jesus Christ. And although alone we may feel and seem and be extremely insignificant when we join together we create a great bright light and so I'm gonna rather than feed back my microphone I'm gonna go up here and light this candle but I want to encourage you you may look at this candle and say this candle alone isn't much but when we have all of these candles together there's quite a bit of light and I want to encourage you that we as believers bring great light into the world and I want to encourage you you are significant and we're significant because we're part of something greater than ourselves we're part of God's kingdom we're part of the church of Jesus Christ and when we choose to stop fighting among ourselves and we choose to quit isolating ourselves from one another and we join together to serve God as one we create a bright light in the world amen so I'm going to walk up here I'm just going to put this microphone down we have heard on high sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply echoing their joyous strains Gloria in excelsis Gladsome tidings be which inspire your heavenly song. Gloria in excelsis Deo. whose birth the angels sing come adore on bended knee 
Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Praise Mary, Joseph, and your reign while our hearts in love we raise. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Joy to 
going to sing one more. An old favorite. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching O'er silent flocks by night Behold, throughout the heavens There shone a holy light Tell it on the mountains Over the hills and everywhere Go tell it on the mountain That Jesus Christ is born The shepherds feared and trembled When low above the earth Rang out the angel chorus That hailed the Savior's birth Go tell it on the mountain Over the hills and everywhere Go Tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Down in a lowly manger, the humble Christ was born. And God sent us salvation that blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere Go tell it on the mountain That Jesus Christ is born Go tell it on the mountain Over the hills and everywhere Go tell it on the mountain That Jesus Christ is born